Hello, this is Jason Gewertz, editor and publisher of Sports Travel, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders in the sports event industry. This episode features a conversation with Coley Edison, the new CEO of the PBA, the Professional Bowlers Association. The PBA Tour was purchased last year by Bolero Corp and has already initiated some significant changes in the way the sports events are produced and broadcast. But before we begin, here's a word from this episode's sponsor. Make waves with your next sports event in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Sports planners are quickly discovering what makes Myrtle Beach the ideal place for sports events. Diverse facilities and fields, affordable accommodations, tons of attractions, and 60 miles of pristine beaches that are sure to please. Set new attendance records when you choose Myrtle Beach. Learn more at visitmyrtlebeachsports.com. That's visitmyrtlebeachsports.com. Coley Edison may not have the traditional background for the leader of one of North America's professional sports leagues. Earlier in her career, she appeared on MTV's The Real World, but was able to take that background in entertainment and marketing and carve a path for herself into the real world of bowling. You may not have noticed, but there's been quite a bit of consolidation in the bowling space in recent years. Bolero Corp. now operates more than 300 recreational bowling centers around the country after its recent acquisition of some of the biggest brands in the sport, including AMF and Brunswick. Last year, though, the company made headlines by purchasing the PBA Tour, which has been an institution for decades and has had its events televised for more than 60 years. Now the company has plans to take advantage of a rare synergy in sports, owning a large part of the recreational side of the sport of bowling, as well as the professional side. And a new television contract with Fox, after years with ABC and ESPN, has the tour's events on live television more than in generations. In this conversation, Coley discusses why the company was interested in the pro league, how it intends to combine the different sides of the sport, the changing demographics of the casual bowler, what the tour looks for in host venues, and how it plans to bring athletes from other sports into the mix to help promote its future events. You'll also get to hear how she rates herself as a bowler when she gets the chance to hit the lanes as well. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Coley Edison, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Thank you for having me. You know, it's, uh, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, a lot's been happening in bowling the last year or two. And last year, Bolero announced that it was acquiring the PBA Tour, which, of course, merges uh, your company that runs uh, recreational bowling centers around the country with the professional circuit of the sport. And it's hard to think of another example where the recreational form of a sport and the professional side have been so closely connected. So I think I wanted to start there, the little background on uh, Bolero and what its interest was in acquiring the tour and, and taking that professional side over. Yeah, it's a good question. So at the end of the day, our goal is to grow bowling as a sport, as a recreation, and as something that people think about when they consider, you know, whether it's leisure or really the athletic side. So it's a perfect synergy. Bolero owns and operates over 300 bowling centers, and the PBA is the professional league, uh, the pro sport of bowling. So to be able to expose our engaged audience of 28 million visitors a year at our centers to the preeminent form of bowling with with the PBA, it, it just it was a really a natural marriage. So we've been really excited about the ways that we can cross promote both the PBA in our centers and then our centers within the PBA. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about that. What's uh, what's the strategy there? How do you how do you make the most advantage of that of that situation and that synergy? 
Yeah, so I think there are 2 million active league bowlers in America and 300,000 of them bowl at Bolero properties. This is the low hanging fruit because we know not all 2 million of those bowlers are actually watching the PBA. So this is a great opportunity to inform and raise awareness about the PBA and what we're doing um, and utilizing our centers to do that with our, our league bowlers as well as our open play bowlers. Um, on the flip side, we're able to bring some of the PBA events to Bolero centers and expose what that brand experience is like. The high-end look and feel, the whimsical decor really gets brought to the, the forefront. So now we're able to change people's impressions of both the pro side of the sport and what the best in the recreational side can be. Tell me a little bit about the the bowling centers, uh, Coley. I know there's been a lot of consolidation in recent years. I think a lot of brands that people may recognize from their local lanes, like uh, Bullmore or AMF and Brunswick, they're all part of Bolero now, isn't that right? That's right. So a little bit about the company history is that we were founded in 1997 by the CEO and founder, Tom Shannon, who acquired Bullmore Lanes, which is a standalone independent center in the heart of Union Square, Manhattan. He developed the concept of high-end, upscale, boutique, event-centric bowling. And we were able to grow that small business to about five or six locations. In 2013, AMF was going through their second bankruptcy in, two, in 10 years. Uh, we were able to partner with private equity and acquire AMF. A year later, we acquired AMF's number one competitor in the space, which was the Brunswick Bowling Center business. Um, we grew overnight from six centers to 272 centers, we acquired the 80 centers with Brunswick, and now we own and operate over 300 bowling centers in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. That's interesting. Tell me a little bit, Coley, about what's happening, I guess, overall in the sport right now uh, on that recreational land as far as participation. Are you gaining bowlers? Are we losing bowlers? We're gaining bowlers and in different sectors. So right now, there's about 46 million Americans who bowl at least once a year. And when we look at the landscape of our centers, we divide them by experiential centers and more traditional centers. We have three sets of customers. We talk about open play or retail, which is if you or I were just to go bowling on a Friday night. We have events, which could be anything from a small 10-year-old's birthday party to JP Morgan buying out an entire center and hosting something for their corporation. And then we have league bowlers. And league bowlers are your most loyal guests. They bowl likely once and sometimes twice a week. And for a very long time, that number was decreasing. People were aging out. Um, younger millennials really didn't want to make that commitment of every single week I'm going in a bowl. So we've had to reinvent that product. What do leagues look like in the year 2020? And that's something that we continue to build upon. What do leagues look like uh, in the year 2020? How are you doing that? We are developing what we call social leagues. So it's a lower commitment it is sometimes partnered with a pins and pitchers league. So you're going to get beer. They're short season leagues. So instead of something that's going on for 35 weeks, it might be eight weeks or 10 weeks. We're finding ways to build out league bowler rewards through our new program called MVB or Most Valuable Bowler. So we're awarding loyalty, trying to build that base, um, but really changing what that commitment was like. So for your traditional league bowlers, they might still bowl 35 weeks, but now we can introduce these national programs where there's a get your gear league or there's a become a better bowler league and introduce new bowlers into league bowling. That is uh, that is interesting. It seems like a constant evolution uh, in the world of bowling. But let's 
let's go back to the professional side just a bit and and talking about evolution. It's amazing, uh, you know, people may not realize, but the PBA Tour has had more than 60 years now of nationally televised competition, which is an astounding statistic. Those who might have followed the sport, of course, uh, were familiar with its presence on ABC and and later on ESPN. But uh, two years ago, you entered a new television deal with Fox. So tell me a little bit about uh, that agreement, because it seems like that has changed the landscape a bit for you. Totally. Fox is committed to really revolutionizing PBA um, with our internal team. So some things that we've done are add technology to our broadcast. So if you're watching, you're going to see something on your right hand side called strike track. This is actually going to follow the ball on its path on our lane patterns, tell you the rev rates, tell you what board it's hitting. So we're talking to our avids who need to understand that Bowling is difficult. It is athletic. There is this invisible challenge of the oil pattern that this technology is now bringing to life. With Fox, we have the most programming on broadcast television that there's been in decades. And just a couple weekends ago, our show, the Tournament of Champions, did over 1.46 million in viewers, which is the biggest audience for a non-NFL adjacent PBA show. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big number of viewers. And I imagine that's up significantly from where it would have been even even two years ago. It is. Um, We're about up 25 percent for just the first five shows of this season. And I think what they're seeing in our broadcast that you haven't seen before is really rich and deep storytelling. My goal is for the average audience to know who these bowlers are, to feel compelled to watch them and watch their stories, to really get to know them in a way that they've never been exposed to before. And Coley, some of this is that uh, Fox is airing more live programming than the tour had seen in previous years. How important is that uh, as far as trying to grow that uh, that interest and that urgency, I guess, in, in following the players week to week? I think it's really important. Bowling has always been one of those things that you can kind of watch at any time because it didn't matter. And that's not the day and age we live in. Right now with streaming television, with all of the services out there, Live sport is one of the only things that people will tune into, whether it's broadcast or cable. So it's essential that we're creating live programming because it's what viewers want. And it's really what what we want as a sport. We don't want you to find out about who won and then watch it weeks later. Yes, there are going to be situations where we do have taped programming. But for the most part, our schedule is, is live shows because that is the best way to tell the story. Right. You also have an over-the-top deal with Flow Sports, which is an organization we're familiar with uh, as well through some of the other sports that they help stream. Tell me a little bit about that and kind of how that fits into your your media landscape. The partnership with uh, Flow is really important because they're bringing live qualifying and match play to a really highly engaged audience. So never before have people really been able to see a highly produced qualifying matches. So people are, are really only seeing the five that are making the stepladder on the show. And now you're going to see your favorite bowlers and see how they perform throughout the week because there's many challenges that have been behind the scenes and we're really lifting the curtain there with Flow. But what I also love about Flow is they're taking it one step further. They're creating documentary series. They're doing in-depth reporting and they've just proven to be really great partners. So we look forward to continuing to do new and exciting things with them. Coming up is actually the draft. So the PBA League is our team challenge. We have 10 teams this year, and we'll be doing our draft live on flowbowling.com. Coley, do you have any uh, evidence or statistics on either on the traditional TV side or through the streaming channels, what your demographics are of of who's watching? I mean, who's 
who's your ideal or or most loyal audience right now? Are they older? Are they are they getting younger? What's what's the interest there? So our ideal audience would definitely be to move toward the younger generation because we know we want to promote bowling to that demographic. Right now, uh, we have a very large uh, user base of an, an older men who have always really been the bowling fans and we'll continue to cater to them and, and give them the technology, the storytelling that they want. But we're going to do things that help bring our story, bring the PBA to that younger audience. In fact, just uh, our numbers for P18 to 49 for our TOC, our Tournament of Champions, grew 96% year over wow. year. So that's really good to see. We were actually on par with Pebble Beach and their finals. So the audience is getting younger. We're positively trending that way. And we're doing really interesting things with social, with flow, with PR that are going to help reach that audience. You are listening to the Sports Travel Podcast with Coley Edison, CEO of the PBA Tour. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Make waves with your next sports event in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Sports planners are quickly discovering what makes Myrtle Beach the ideal place for sports events. Diverse facilities and fields, affordable accommodations, tons of attractions, and 60 miles of pristine beaches that are sure to please. Set new attendance records when you choose Myrtle Beach. Learn more at visitmyrtlebeachsports.com. That's visitmyrtlebeachsports.com. Let me ask you a little bit about your your live events uh, as well. You're in certainly in in big markets like Las Vegas and Indianapolis, but you're also in a lot of uh, smaller and and mid-sized markets. You know places like Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, Portland, Maine. Wh- what are your thoughts, Coley, on the the cities that you like to be in, or uh, you know what you're looking for in a host venue when you're considering spots on the tour? I know there are some sort of traditional locations that the tour has been just by nature of the history of the sport, but give me your thoughts a little bit about the event side and what you're looking for in a host location? So I think there are different qualifications when we look at a host location. You have something like Portland, um, Bayside Bowl. If you've watched those shows, it's where the playoffs took place last year and where uh, the PBA League will take place this year. It is rowdy. It is fans. We are the biggest game in town, and we love going to Portland. For me, can we build a set on your lanes that are going to look good on TV? Can you get us the 200 to 300 fans that we want in the audience that are going to be cheering and care about the sport? And really, does going to your location add value to our production? Those are some of the things we look at. I think obviously I've inherited a lot of the locations that we're going to this season. But as we look to next season, we're really looking for our host centers to step their game up because the production has stepped its game up. Oftentimes when you're watching the show, it's kind of like you could be anywhere and they don't really know if we're in Oklahoma or Jonesboro, Arkansas. So if we're going to travel, it needs to be worthwhile travel. And that's why we're actually considering a lot of options for the 2021 season. We might look at um, a couple things that I can't really let you in on now, but I promise uh, when I have news to share, you'll be one of the first people I share with, Jason. Oh, I, pre- I appreciate that, of course. Um, is there any particular infrastructure that a bowling center needs or can you, can you sure. more or less? Yeah. My tech folks have a long list of requirements, everything from generators to parking spots. So it needs to work that way. And then it really needs to just be, you know, we, we appreciate higher ceilings so that we can do more unique camera angles. We put LEDs in some centers are like, no, do not come on our lanes. 
you can't put a, a scissor ladder here and then that creates challenges for us. Oftentimes we want the tour to make sense geographically. So it doesn't make sense that we go to California one week and New Jersey the next week, unless it's during our really cool playoff series where we have enough time to travel. So there, there's a myriad of, of reasons why we go to the places that we go. But again, with our new ownership, it's going to be taking a fresh look at it for the 2021 season. Yeah, we've written about some uh, bowling events in the magazine that have been able to get creative, uh, you know, even setting up lanes in a place like Grand Central Station. I know the U.S. Bowling Congress does some of their larger events, of course, in, in convention centers, going in and actually constructing the lanes. Uh, has there been any thought on the PBA tour level of going into a more unique uh, destination that may not be a bowling center necessarily? I am not sure if that is our top priority right now, uh, especially since Bolero Corp owns and operates over 300 bowling sets. <laughs> sure. There's a great cost to building those sets out. And unless you know you're going to get your payback, unless you know you're going to have maybe a celebrity bowler who's joining for the show or a really large audience that you can bring in, you know, we have to consider the television audience first in a lot of what we're doing because that's where the viewership is. Uh, some of these centers can only fit 200 to 300 people, but I have to produce a show that's going to reach two to three million people. And so we take all of that into consideration when we determine where we're going to host our events. You mentioned celebrities. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because it seems like there's been some interesting cross-promotion the last uh, couple of years, particularly. I know uh, Chris Paul hosts a celebrity event with the tour and uh, Mookie Betts has competed and not just competed, but bowled a perfect game. What's uh, What are your thoughts about trying to bring well-known athletes from other sports uh, as a way to help promote some of what you're doing uh, at the tour level or for bowling in general? It is a key initiative for us to try to bring other athletes and celebrities into the fold. Uh, we produced the Bolero Elite Series this past year on NBC Sports, and we had Jerome Bettis as one of our talent. Um, he's a great bowler. CP3, unfortunately, is not hosting an event with us this season. We're super bummed about that, but understand the challenges he has. He moved teams. But it, it remains one of our key priorities. We think bowling is just a sport that everybody loves. You never talk to someone who says, I hate bowling. You talk to people and they say, I haven't thought about it, but I had a lot of fun the last time I did it. And that's especially true with celebrities. So we're in conversations with a lot of people and we look to bring about two to three celebrity focused events to the season in the 21 uh, in the 2021 year. Yeah, I know there's been uh, some great cross promotion just for bowling in general with NASCAR in particular. Um, I had the chance to watch the video that was recently produced with Eric uh, Amarola and Jason Belmonte bowling the world's fastest strike on a on NASCAR track, there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff taking place uh, in yeah, other sports. Our bowlers will be heading over to, I don't know if I can share this yet, uh, but they're heading oh, over. Go ahead. They're, share, they're heading over to Tony Stewart's house next week. He has lanes set up in his home and they'll be bowling with him. That's fantastic. You know, uh, another area that we've covered, Coley, quite a bit in our in our magazine of late has been the world of esports. I saw that PBA just recently uh, produced its own video game. Can you talk a little bit about the potential there for again just kind of gaining interest in the sport and in the in the tour with your with your esports product? The esports product is a great way to reach that younger demographic. On the PBA side, we launched our console game this past fall, and the PBA mobile game. Uh, is one of the top performing in the App Store. But on the Bolero side, we're also looking into this. So we just announced that we're producing a game with Skills, which is one of the top app developers. It's called Strike by Bolero, and you'll actually be able to bowl in Bolero centers. So the look and feel matches the look and feel of our centers, and that game will come out uh, early summer. Coley, what was your introduction to the sport? I feel 
almost obligated to note that early in your career, of course, you were on the television, appeared on The Real World, but you've uh, worked your way up the corporate structure, obviously, uh, in an impressive fashion with Bolero. But how did you get involved in the sport and get to the place that you're at now as CEO of the tour? I came in through that entertainment side. So when I first started at Bullmore Lanes in 2008, I was responsible for producing special events with celebrities and famous DJs. And I really developed a passion for bowling as a way to connect people and really as the first social network. And I I took that passion and I moved into the marketing side of things. So as a marketer for Bowmore, which is now Bolero Corp, it's my job to put bowling back into the minds of our consumers and make them consider it when they think about a night out or a daytime activity with family. As I got more involved in the marketing side of things, the pro side of bowling became something I became invested in. So it was, wow, there's this diamond in the rough out there that I think has so much potential to grow. It, it's been on ESPN and sometimes they use it as fodder against football, but what could we do with it? And my entertainment background, my production background, combined with my marketing and communications background were the perfect fit for me to move into the role of CEO of the PBA once we acquired it in September. Yeah, you're the first female CEO of the tour, and and as you know, you know one of the very few in that position in professional sports. How how significant is that for you? I think it's major, especially in bowling, which you know has always been a good old boy sport. It's really refreshing to see a young female take this leadership role, set an example for my team internally, but women worldwide. And that just because you may not be uh, you know, a quarterback doesn't mean you couldn't be the, the coach of a team. And I feel that way with bowling. You know, the unique thing about the PBA, yes, there is the PWBA, but we have women who bowl on our tour as well. So 10 years ago, Kelly Kulik won our Tournament of Champions. So it's an equal opportunity sport, bowling. And so the leadership of it should be as well. And my goal is to set that example for women and, and to move into a position that it doesn't matter if you're not the one playing, you're ideas and your leadership and the opportunities that you build for the organization are what's important. Do you, uh, do you get the bowl yourself? I am getting my first ball drilled in Lincoln, Nebraska this weekend. Ooh, that's uh, exciting. My new shoes. So <laughs> I get to bowl often. I've been bowling during photo shoots, which are just not ideal. And I'm famous that I once bowled a Turkey during my lunch break. Cause we actually, our corporate <laughs> office is in a bowling center and I was, coming off a very frustrating conference call, went out on the lanes, bowled a turkey. No one believed me. Had to print out my scores, hang it over my desk. Um, it's a really great stress reliever, unless you're a pro. Then it's even more stressful. Well, I don't know. If you bowled a turkey, maybe there's a spot for you on the tour. I don't know. I don't know if they take a 110 average, but I'll try. <laughs> well, I know someone who might be able to get you in. If, uh, if All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, Coley, I think that that might be a good place to wrap things up. I appreciate the time. As I said from the outset, I think there's a lot of exciting things that are happening clearly right now in the sport. And uh, we'll certainly be interested in following things through and, and seeing how things develop here over the next couple of years. But congratulations on all the great momentum so far. Thanks so much. We appreciate the support and we look forward to talking with you in the future. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which also features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. 
Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Jason Gewurz for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.